Hey, Upper Feasters, hope you're having a great day so far. I'm doing a solo episode. I had a lot of people ask me to record a solo episode. Frankly, I'm honored. I think that's really cool that you want to hear more from me. Full disclosure, I am nervous. I've literally never done this before. So I'm just going to pretend that I'm talking to you directly. We'll see how it goes. I was thinking about my favorite favorite munchie food. I, really anything with cheese. I like something fancy. Like I'll do like a fancy grilled cheese or I'll do like literally the garbage cheese from a can. I like pretty much everything like I can be trashy, classy, and anywhere in between. I literally, like one of my favorite snacks is just that Frito-Lay's cheese product. I like to put that in the microwave and dip a Doritos nacho cheese in there or a flaming Hot Doritos, dip that in there. You know me, Dippy Dippy. Shout out Team Dippy Dippy, by the way. I love when you guys tag me in your stories anytime you dip. Some of you have mediocre content. <laughs> I'm just kidding, kind of. No, thank you so much for tagging me and everything. I 100% appreciate it. And I love you and, and thank you for supporting me. So a common question I get asked a lot is, why do I have so many followers? And I think that's kind of a rude question because I would like to think that, you know, you could look at my content and be like, oh, it's good content. And that's why he has a lot of followers. But if I'm being honest with you, I think the reason I do is just because when I first started my account, I paid attention to literally everything. Like I all the analytics, like whatever worked well, I focused on that. I used really good hashtags. Like I literally... When I first started, I went to big accounts like like Devour Power or Foodie Fetish or Foodies, like any of these big accounts. And I just used their hashtags, like whatever hashtags they used. And then also I got reposted by big accounts a lot. Like I remember one time BuzzFeed reposted me and that got me a couple thousand followers. So that was real cool. I don't know, man. I feel like I probably have like 5,000, I don't want to say fans, but I guess like people that like love what I do or like what I do. And I'm very thankful for all the followers. But I think some of them just followed because I went viral or yeah, like one time I went viral, I just dipped a burrito taco and got over a million views. So it's kind of hard to predict what's going to work. I lately I've been loving making my review videos, which honestly don't do that great performance wise, like uh, reach wise and stuff. But I moved to New York City to pursue stand up comedy and I stopped doing stand up. I lost the passion for it. And there's not a lot of money in stand up. So if you lose the passion for it, there's really no point in doing it. But I'm a creative guy and I love making content. And I loved my neighborhood, the Upper East Side of Manhattan. So that's where you get Upper Feast. It's a little play on Upper East. But I made my account because everyone said the Upper East Side sucks. Everyone's like, oh, the food up there is lame, yada, yada. So I had to make my account to prove that we had great food, which I still stand by. I still think the Upper East Side has great food. And then I moved back to Columbus and I kept the name because I think it's a great name. I think Upper Feast is a super dope name. It has the word feast, has the word upper upper echelon, feast, eating, you get it. And also I think it, you know, with my original intent of proving the Upper East Side has great food, I think that it translates to Columbus because Columbus has great food, but we're slept on big time. Like when I lived in New York, a lot of people were like, oh, what do you guys just have like cows and cornfields? And I'm like, no, dude, we got really great restaurants. We got a lot of restaurants that are doing really great stuff, experimenting and trying hard and using top-notch ingredients, you know, farm to table ingredients. And there's a lot of love and care here in Columbus. And that's why I started my podcast. I just wanted to talk to my friends. Like I had uh, Brandon Scott Wolf, Max Winger, Deirdre Argast on. And I also wanted to talk to Columbus, Ohio restaurateurs. So one of my first episodes was Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Ice Cream. I had Brad of uh, Lion's Cup Cookies. You know, if you're listening to this podcast, you know all the great guests I've had on. And I'm really proud of all of them. All of them that I've posted, I should say, because fun fact, there's been three episodes that I recorded that I did not think were good. So I just didn't post them. I know that's kind of harsh, but 
I really value my listeners and I really respect your time. This podcast might not be good enough to release, but I'm probably going to release it anyway, just because so many of you have asked for a solo episode. So I'm just trying my best. This is my first time chatting with myself. Look, I think the the strong suit of my podcast, if I can toot my own horn, is I ask really good questions and I'm good at listening. Like I think in conversation, I'm pretty good at talking but just talking to myself, that's a whole other skill that I'm, I'm practicing. So when I lived in New York City, literally my first day there, I got a job in Times Square. I was a server at a very busy restaurant in Times Square. It's like the third busiest restaurant. And I don't know why I don't say their name. I just, I feel some type of pettiness towards them. And like, I quit on my own accord and moved back to Columbus and everything. And everything was my own decision. I'm sure if you, if you Googled top three New York City restaurants, you could probably figure it out. Another hint is an Italian restaurant. Anyways, I I worked at this crazy busy restaurant. And so my second day in the city, I went to work, went, started training and everything. And I'll never forget the chef was, he had a very thick accent. English was his second language and he was giving us the specials, but he talked very fast and he had an accent and I was nervous. So I didn't know what the hell the specials were. I didn't know any of the ingredients or anything. So my first two tables were from Brazil. So the Portuguese was their primary language. So I remember just panicking. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, like, how am I going to do this? Like, I was like, I can't understand the chef. I can't understand my tables. Like, how am I going to serve people if I can't communicate with them? But I moved there to do stand-up comedy. I moved there to follow my dreams. So I just powered through shout out to Nike. Just do it. I think that's like the best slogan ever, by the way, just do it. Assuming you're doing something positive, of course, if it's something negative or harmful, maybe don't just do it. But if you're reaching for the stars, I think just do it is the best. So then I asked one of my coworkers, Paul, he is a very sassy dude from the Bronx. And I asked him, I said, what were those specials? And he was like, go find whoever was training you and ask them. And I was like, dang. Now at the time, I felt some type of way about it. I was like, wow, he's so rude, whatever. But once I worked there for about a year, I totally understood. And I was like, this job is so freaking hard. Like, I don't have time for anybody's anything. Like, I I fully support his decision to tell me to go talk to the trainer. And plus, the trainer gets paid more. They get a couple dollars more hourly. But this restaurant was just insanely busy all the time. And so I remember I was working four lunch shifts. And it was so busy that I could afford my New York City apartment. I had roommates, of course. But... I was able to afford all my bills with just four lunches. And I remember they wanted to give me a night shift. And I was so scared because lunches were so insanely busy. And I was still struggling with a lot of like the thick accents because we had a very like international clientele. I actually turned down my first night shift. They offered me a Friday night and I said no. And then like six months later, I finally accepted it and ended up having a couple nights, couple lunches. Yeah, it was a really fun job. It was cool because we were so busy. Like we could just pretty much do and say whatever we wanted. Like we had a lot of people from countries that didn't tip like a non-tipping culture. And so, you know, at the bottom of the receipt where it says, uh, you know, 18, 20, 22, whatever suggested amount. We had people, some people would highlight it with a big yellow highlighter. Other people would, I've literally saw like big, huge in your face arrows, like no, no subtlety, no chill, just big arrows pointing at the percentages. And so what I used to do is I would write, thank you. Thank on the left, you on the right. And I was like, if that's, if that's not in your face enough, you know, I guess I'm just not getting a tip. But I remember one time I had these, this Brazilian couple, they were super sweet. They were like, you know, late twenties, early thirties, something like that. And they loved me so much. And they were so complimentary. 
and they were so smiley and I was giving them grade A service. And then they left me a $0 tip. And then they came in the next night and they requested to sit on my section. And I was kind of annoyed. I was like, you know what? Like, I understand that where you're from, you don't tip or whatever. But so I just told them at the very beginning of the shift, I said, hey guys, just so you know, you're supposed to tip. If you like the service, if you think you have good service, then tip. So they ended up leaving me a 30% tip and they, they seem to feel genuinely bad. I just find it hard to believe that you don't know you're supposed to tip in America. I feel like that's a common theme. Like, I would like to think if you have money, you know, if you have money to travel to New York City and dine at an expensive restaurant in the heart of Times Square, I would like to think that you would know that it's tipping. And tipping is a hot button issue. I've had a lot of people say they think we shouldn't tip. I personally think the restaurant should pay a living wage, but it's challenging because as a server, you make way more money off tips than you would if the company pays you. So on the one hand, I think it's the one, sometimes I look at it and I think it's it's very charming and endearing because you're getting paid by the generosity of others. Like strangers are literally paying your wage. And if you look at it like that, it seems kind of sweet and kind of endearing. But then when, when I look at it another way, I'm like, these businesses are relying on others. Like it's it's kind of sketchy and kind of messed up. Like Imagine if you're like, imagine you go to the mechanic and they're like, Hey, we got you out of here super quick. We did the best we could service with a smile. Please tip us. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it seems weird that restaurants can get away with, with not paying a living wage. The restaurant world needs improvement, but it is a very fun job. Like I used to work at third and Hollywood in Columbus, Ohio, and everything there has to be perfect. I actually had Damon Burney on. We talked a little bit about that go listen to his episode. He's the chief operating officer of third or something like that. He has some kind of high, high, high title there, but third in Hollywood, like everything had to be perfect. Like literally everything. And the, the, the one cool thing about that is uh, you could steal shifts. They called it sharking shifts. So before I moved to New York city, I was saving up money. The way you could shark a shift was if someone didn't come perfectly prepared for work, you could take their shift. So say they had five pens instead of six, or their apron wasn't perfectly ironed, like any number of things. Like if their uniform wasn't perfect, you could steal their shift. Told my coworkers, like, look, New York City is very expensive. Come correct, because I'm going to steal your shift. I'm coming after it. And so I did. I stole a bunch of shifts and no one ever said anything to me. And I don't even think people really cared. Like, thankfully, I think people were either nice or just wanted to go home. But when I told my New York coworkers about that, they were all like, no, dude, like, we'll fight you, dead ass, et cetera, yada. <laughs> the New Yorkers say dead ass a lot. The first time I heard dead ass, I thought that was so silly. I was like, dead ass, RIP ass, all right. But no, I think in New York, I think you'd get beat up. I think you would definitely, someone would fight you, which is pretty crazy. People always ask me what my favorite food is. And I, I pretty much love like pretty much everything, honestly, literally most things I love. But if I, if I had to choose my top three, God, it's so hard. I would say chicken wings. I love chicken wings. Definitely love chicken wings. Drums or flats. I have no pref. I just love a cheeky, cheeky wing. And honestly, I'll take blue cheese or ranch. I mean, I have wing preferences. Like I prefer a good chicken wing. I love all kinds of different sauces, breadings. Like I like naked. I like breaded. I like deep fried, double fried. Korean fried chicken, like chicken wings are just really amazing. Big fan of that. And then I love pizza. I prefer like a, like a regular crust or a thin crust. Deep dish is cool. I'll definitely eat deep dish, but I prefer like a New York style or a Columbus style. And then third, I would say like a really good steak, medium rare. I've never had a five Wagyu. That's one of my goals. I actually have an only fans. I have about 350 only fans. It's a free account upper feast on only fans. And I was thinking of maybe doing 
a request to make someone else buy me the A5 Wagyu because it's so freaking expensive. Part of me wants to save up and treat myself. Like, let me know, like, have you ever had A5 Wagyu beef? If so, was it worth it? How much did you spend? Where did you get it? Like, you can DM me on Upper Feast. You can go to my website, upperfeastside.com. You know how to contact me. You can figure it out. You're smart. If you can afford A5 Wagyu, you can figure out how to let me know how to get it. Or if you want to buy me some, let me know. (laughs) I'll make some sweet, sweet content on that free beef. The meanest comment I ever got, I did this corny joke. I had an artichoke pizza. And before eating it, I said, this is a pirate's favorite pizza. Artichoke. And yes, it's corny. Yes, it's horrible. I was having fun. I was being silly. Like I used to do comedy. I know what funny is. I was just having fun being silly. I like being corny and I like bad jokes. Anyways, someone commented, I hope you get shot in the head and I hope the ambulance crashes on the way to the hospital. Jesus Christ. Like it didn't make me feel unsafe or anything. It's probably just some angry troll, you know, being mean for no reason. And that's why I try not to let mean comments hurt me because if you're being mean to a random food account, you probably have a lot of pain and suffering in your life. Like I can't imagine a happy person or a popular person for that matter. Literally every account that's ever said something mean has had like 200 or less followers. They always have a fake profile picture, which is like, you know what? I'm a chubby dude with a high voice and I look young, but I'm putting myself out there. I'm having fun. I'm doing whatever I want. Whereas you're an anime account. Like, you know what I mean? Like your profile picture is like an anime picture or some other cartoon. So I feel like you're a coward to all my haters. Thank you for commenting and giving me a boost in the algorithm. Ultimately, I think you're a mean coward and you should look inward and get some help. And actually one time this was really funny. Someone left a mean comment. I forget what it was. I commented back. I said, well, I hope that made you feel better. And they responded back. It didn't. I still feel the same. All right, let's lighten the mood. I just had to get that off my chest because it's so common. Like if I didn't instinctually just delete it instantly, you know, I think I'm gonna start screen grabbing all my mean comments, but I always just delete them instantly because they're just like so shocking and dumb. But Anyway, sorry. Thank you so much for letting me vent about that. All right. So I guess I'll tell you about the time one night after work and when I lived in New York City. After work, we went to this horrible dive bar called Rudy's in Hell's Kitchen. And they have like this big pig out front and it's just really, truly disgusting in there. But they gave you free hot dogs. (laughs) And so (laughs) we would always just go get super drunk. And I would always pretend I wasn't going to eat the hot dogs. But after my my second round of PBR and well whiskey, you know, that sketchy hot dog all of a sudden didn't seem so bad. Like this place was like super gross. If you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you know that I'm not exaggerating. Would you eat a disgusting, dirty hot dog? How about this? Would drunk you eat a dirty, disgusting hot dog? It's so funny how alcohol can change the flavor of food. Like literally from like a fancy dining experience, you're pairing a a really bold red, you know, like a really in your face type of wine with a steak and it just pairs so beautifully. And it's like, you know, you cut into the steak and it's fatty, richy, delicious. And then, you know, Maybe you drink a nice glass of wine and it cuts the whatever, yada, yada. I'm not a Samier, but you, I had a Samier on the podcast. You should listen to his episode. That was a really great episode. He's an advanced Samier for Jeff Ruby, and he knows so much about wine. I'm actually going to have him on the podcast again because we had a really great chat. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. But alcohol can also make like Taco Bell. Like you eat Taco Bell sober and you're like, this is fine. Like it's passable. It's edible. But if you eat Taco Bell stoned and or drunk, it's like, oh my God, this is like 
five-star chef. Compliments to the chef, baby boy. I love Taco Bell's hot sauce. Like just the one that's called hot. What's your favorite hot sauce? I think for me, hot is definitely the best. What is the other one? Flaming or fire? Death, mild, diarrhea. I forget all the flavors. Also shout out to Baja Blast. Baja Blast used to be only at Taco Bell and now it's at grocery stores. Moving on up. I saw like several different Baja Blasts at Kroger. That's my favorite grocery store. Please sponsor me, Kroger. I would love to make Upper Feast at Home content with exclusively your product. But um, can't really think of anything else I want to tell you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Next week, we're going to have a guest on. It'll be back to normal. But if you guys like this, I'll honestly do it again. And here's the thing. I'll improve. Like this episode is only decent. Maybe horrible. I don't know. Sometimes I'm too tough of a critic on myself, which I'm trying to work on. If you struggle with that too, let me know. Like, I'm not a professional by any stretch of the imagination, but I've read a bunch of self-help books and I do have a general positive outlook on life. So if you're ever struggling, like hit me up. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I think you're great. And I greatly appreciate you listening. I get so many kind comments, DMs, emails, and I should really focus more on those. Sorry, I didn't talk about any of those. Maybe next time if I do a solo episode, I'll do like the five nicest compliments I've ever gotten. I feel like I'd have to go through and try to think about it or maybe go screen grab some stuff. But if you have any questions for the podcast, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, if you want to just talk to me and just chat, like, let me know. Like, I would love to hang out with you. I would love to go get lunch with you. If you live in the Columbus area, like, let's go feast. Yeah, that's it. I get, that's the podcast. Remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast share us on social media, or at the very least, tell a friend. Mouth-to-mouth, face-to-face, communication.